What's going on, guys? It's Fantasy Stock Exchange here, bringing you the third installment of our ranking series we're doing over here at the Fantasy Stock Exchange YouTube channel. Today, we're going to be talking about the top quarterbacks going in your 2022 fantasy football drafts. We're talking redraft. We ain't talking dynasty. You guys would have seen that a couple weeks ago. The quarterback position, plain and simple, you need a good quarterback if you want to go far. You need a quarterback that can flat out make a difference on your fantasy teams. Before we get into that, as always, Corey, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing good. We're talking like our way too early rankings. Obviously, we got uh, yeah. June drafts going. If you guys are over on Underdog Fantasy, official sponsor of the show here, uh, you can use the promo code FSE at sign up and first deposit to get 100% match back on whatever you put in. Uh, you can rip some practice drafts for your season-long leagues, my redraft league, my home league. We're doing our uh, draft pick lottery actually this weekend, so I'm excited to find out where I'm going to be drafting. But yeah, a lot of uh, this is from a one quarterback perspective. Obviously, you can you know apply it to Superflex as well. Um, but these quarterbacks have taken a, a bit of a backseat in recent years with the late round quarterback strategy, but uh, it's starting to make a, a resurgence. We'll kind of talk about that after the intro. So uh, if you guys enjoy this video at any point, hit the like button, comment any of your thoughts down below as well, and subscribe to the channel if you are new. Now let's hit the intro. All right, so I kind of teased it before the intro, but basically um, what we did in the other videos, what we're going to do in this video is talk about some basic strategy points in terms of how to attack this position in your season-long drafts. If you guys want to skip ahead right to the player analysis, timestamps on the scroll bar and in the description. But basically the late-round quarterback strategy that has been coined from J.J. Zacharias in a number of years ago, we might think it might be dead because the way that the quarterback position has behaved the last couple of years and how smart we've gotten as a fantasy community in terms of quarterback ADP is that most of the quarterbacks that are being ranked highly in ADP and drafted highly are ending up being the best quarterbacks in fantasy. All of the top 12 quarterback ones in 2021 were drafted in the top 15 overall pick uh, picks. Kirk Cousins was actually one of the only ones that wasn't drafted in the top 12. And none of the top six quarterbacks, if you guys remember last year, there was a big tier of like Josh Allen, uh, Justin Herbert, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes. None of those guys finished lower than QB nine. And Dak Prescott was the guy who finished actually the lowest of those guys, but was still quite good for fantasy. And we had uh, 11 quarterbacks last year finish with over 20 points per game. Yeah. And, it, and it's funny. I mean, pointing at, you know, the efficiency of the quarterback market that we've seen in recent years, if this was 2014, if this was 2013, a guy like Aaron Rodgers would probably be like the quarterback three in rankings. He's going at the quarterback 13 because as a, as a fantasy community as a whole, we understand the value of quarterbacks that can run the football, especially in four-point passing leagues. So we're seeing the uh, assurgence of guys like Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, uh, potentially you know a guy like Trey Lance maybe this year that are getting ranked accordingly. Whereas the basis of the late round quarterback strategy was to put it simply, you had a Konami co-quarterback that was going outside the top 12 that you could always get at extreme value every year that would end up finishing with top six type of numbers. A la Lamar Jackson in 2019, when he was a double digit round pick and quite literally broke fantasy football. There's probably only, you know, one guy each year now that we could potentially spot as making that leap. But as a community, we are a lot smarter in identifying that exact player. Yeah, Trey Lance and Justin Fields, probably the only two quarterbacks that we could point to right now that are going outside of the top 12 or so in, in terms of rankings. Trey Lance not even going outside the top 12 that have that elite Konami code upside. If this was five years ago, Justin Fields and Trey Lance probably be like QB 19, 20 in terms of ADP, but we've gotten a lot sharper. We've gotten a lot smarter. 
Yeah, for sure. And uh, I mean, Hayden made a very good tweet, a very good point uh, on the timeline. But uh, as a community, as a, as a fantasy community, we're good at outlining where the ceiling is at quarterback. 27 of the 31 quarterback games this past year of quarterback games where 30 plus fantasy score points were scored by the quarterback. As you guys can see that list, 27 of those performances were guys that apart from Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, I believe is a quarterback 13. Apart from Joe Burrow, all those guys were selected within the top 12 quarterback rankings, which kind of goes to show that we understand who the good quarterbacks are going to be. We understand where the ceiling uh, output games are going to come from the quarterback position. And Josh Allen, he was a top three quarterback going into the last year. Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Tom Brady, Dak Prescott. They were all guys within the top eight rankings of last year that quite frankly presented the highest ceiling because we were selecting them as if they had the highest ceiling, which they proved to be. Yeah, exactly. So our point basically on the whole late round quarterback strategy, that edge might be gone now because it, it looks like we, for the most part, know who the best quarterbacks are going to be. And we might have to just bite the bullet and draft one of these guys in the first eight to 10 rounds of our draft. And you can still get good value on these guys because people still believe in the late round quarterback strategy and they'll let, you know, a good quarterback uh, piece that can score over 20 points per game fall to round six, seven, eight, nine, whatever the case is. So uh, we can transition right into the guys that we're talking about in this video. The first guy, our quarterback one off the board, quarterback one on underdog fantasy as well, 29.7 overall pick is Josh Allen, quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. He's basically the perfect storm for a fantasy quarterback. If you could draw up a fantasy quarterback in a lab, it's Josh Allen. You have an elite runner of the football, top three in carries, number one in the NFL in carries inside the red zone, top three rusher in terms of rushing yards at the quarterback position. Coupled with the fact that as a passer, he is in a very high passing volume offense, number three in deep attempts with over 80 last year, number four in overall pass volume as a team, 129 pass attempts inside the red zone, ranked first in the NFL, coming from a top five actual NFL quarterback with a cannon for an arm who's a very good player. Nothing's really changed in this offense, too, from this year to last. So you lose a couple tertiary wide receivers like Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders. You replace them with you know, rookie Khalil Shakir, who I thought, you know, was a good value in the fifth round for the Bills. Jamison Crowder, who's, you know, a fine slot receiver that can replace Cole Beasley. They drafted a running back in the second round, but it was James Cook and his forte is pass catching. So that helps Josh Allen as well. Josh Allen basically owns all the production that the Buffalo Bills offense puts up. He had 80% of the Bills total yards last year, which is an absolutely absurd number. They had like 7,000 total yards. He had like 5,300 of them or something like that. So Pretty crazy when you think about it. Josh Allen, pretty easily locked and loaded quarterback one for me. I think I'm okay spending the you know a top 30 pick on him. Yeah, I mean, he is a, a clear-cut um, advantage over the rest of the quarterback field. As much as we love the rest of the guys here, I mean, you can make the argument that Josh Allen may be tier one on his own given the advanced passing that you'll get from, you know, 35-plus touchdown passer, 4,500-plus uh, passing yards while still having maybe not, you know, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts level rushing ability, but 700, 800 rushing yards, eight plus rushing touchdowns, full autonomy amongst his team's goal line. Like, yeah, Josh Allen is a cheat code, a guy who's averaged over 25 points per game combined in the last two years. He's uh, he's basically just a set it and forget it at the quarterback position. So while on the surface, you know, a top 30 pick, you know, uh, basically a mid third may seem a little bit steep. For a player like this, like I don't mind biting the bullet, especially if you know you get Stefan Diggs at the end of the first round and you can wrap back around at the end of the third and get a guy like Josh Allen to complete that stack. Like that is the Kelsey Mahomes, that is the Tyreek Mahomes of the past. Only now we're getting on a Buffalo Bills offense that is probably gonna throw the ball even more. 
Right. And as you mentioned with the Hayden tweet, six games of 30 plus fantasy points last Ridiculous. year. That's a huge, huge weekly ceiling. Like the way that we play fantasy, at least still uh, right now, is we have a weekly opponent in our fantasy matchup and we're trying to beat that guy. And if you have Josh Allen putting 30 fantasy points up six times a year, that's definitely going to help you out. So uh, we can move on to the next quarterback, which is Lamar Jackson, quarterback four, 53rd overall pick on underdog fantasy. I don't know why Lamar Jackson's going in the 50s every year. He's just as much of an advantage as Josh Allen, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I would put uh, Josh Allen a little bit of a head because of the consistency in the passing game. But for the rushing output, I mean, Lamar Jackson is the cheat code as a rusher in fantasy football. I mean, you guys would have seen the Hayden tweet. Three games of over 30 points. The caveat there, Lamar Jackson played 12 games. 25% of his games went over 30-plus fantasy points this past year, despite having stretches where, you know, Rashad Bateman was banged up and Marquise Brown was inconsistent and the Ravens basically lost so many players on that team and he was basically, you know, 1v11-ing the other defense at some points. Like, it was pretty ridiculous. I mean, that Colts game specifically, I just remember in my head where Lamar Jackson basically just willed them back on his own. That is the type of franchise type of mover fantasy type of asset that Lamar Jackson represents the highest ceiling bar, maybe Josh Allen in fantasy football on a week to week basis. The part of Lamar's game, obviously, as you guys know, from playing fantasy football, the cheat code of Lamar's game is that rushing output. He gives you, he has averaged 10 carries per game at a 6.35 yards per carry clip in the last three years, meaning that this guy's giving you an extra 6.5, nearly points per game. Rushing yards alone. You combine that with the fact that he scored 16 touchdowns on 42 games. This guy is nearly giving you nine fantasy points per game before he even attempts a pass. An advantage that in a four-point passing touchdown league, pocket quarterbacks simply can't usurp, simply can't overcome. Lamar Jackson, if he goes out and he has another 25, 30 passing touchdown year, or if you know he has an outlier season in the rushing touchdown department, because he's only maxed out despite rushing the ball at a league high clip, has only maxed out at seven rushing touchdowns despite having that dynamic rushing ability. If Lamar Jackson either went on the high end of the passing touchdown spectrum or had an outlier 12, 13 rushing touchdown year, we're talking about a near 28 to 30 point per game score inarguable quarterback one in fantasy. That is the type of ceiling, that is the type of output that Lamar Jackson has and is capable of. And getting him outside of the top 50 picks as the quarterback four, the markers got to explain themselves. Right. And again, we're trying to beat the opponent that we have on our schedule in a fantasy league, right? When you have a guy like Lamar Jackson, who's like your fifth pick in your fantasy draft, you have two wide receivers and two running backs that are already going to potentially give you 20 points per game. You have a quarterback that can give you 25 points per game. It's really going to help your bottom line for your fantasy matchups. And, and Lamar Jackson's just the perfect example of a guy that gets, you know, just completely dinged for real life narratives that have nothing to do with fantasy. They, they, you can ding them as a passer all you want. They're probably justified to some degree, but Lamar Jackson's fantasy output is undeniable. And there's no way that I would ever take any other quarterback sans Josh Allen over him this year. Number three is Kyler Murray. Another guy, obviously that will provide a lot with his legs quarterback five off the board per underdog fantasy 61 pick uh, overall. Again, another guy that you can get is like your fifth or sixth player off the board. Two straight years, we've had this scorching hot start for Kyler Murray, and then he's kind of tapered off due to injury. Quarterback three before he played banged up against the Packers on Thursday night football in week eight, where he then missed three games after that. 
He had 20 total touchdowns in those first seven games with three of those coming on the ground. He can get it done through the air as well. He actually ranked number one in the NFL last year with 45 money throws despite missing three games. So again, not to the extent of Josh Allen, but he's going to give you both uh, the high ceiling from the passing and the rushing uh, perspective. And if we can get a healthy season, a full 16, 17 games, where, Lamar, uh, where Kyler Murray doesn't get banged up throughout the season, he could absolutely explode. Now he has Marquise Brown. He has Zach Ertz. Obviously, he was a big addition last year. Second year uh, in the NFL for Rondell Moore. A.J. Green was still fine. DeAndre Hopkins, once he comes back from his six-game suspension, to throw the ball to. Plus, we have a guy that has scored you know, a number of rushing touchdowns, 10-plus rushing touchdown type of upside as well. With Kyler Murray, I mean, it's pretty simple to me. Is he volatile? Do you know what he's going to do on a week-to-week basis, given the inconsistencies he's shown in the last couple of years? Sure. But what that points to me is that for a young player, if he develops the consistency part of his game, we could be looking at a 27, 28-point-per-game score. And quite frankly, him and Lamar Jackson, the advantage that they give you in the rushing game, well, as much as I love Lamar Jackson, Kyler's got a higher passing ceiling as well. Kyler's passing ceiling is probably 30 to 35 passing touchdowns in a fully healthy year. That is the type of talent, that is the type of ceiling that Kyler Murray has. Again, the volatility, the inconsistency is kind of why he even finds himself at three. Because to put it simply, at the start of the last two years, as much as I love Josh Allen, Kyler Murray was outproducing him the last two years at the beginning part of the seasons. Yeah, and you could make the argument, it's kind of narrative-y, but like, if you guys were up for a big promotion at your job, a big payday at your job, are you going to work harder? Because Kyler Murray's fighting for a generational caliber contract this year, right? He's trying to get a 40 plus million dollar per year type of payday. He's going to be motivated to play well this year. And again, it's kind of narrative-y, but there's a chance that he goes out and puts his best foot forward. So Kyler Murray, a guy that I would not be surprised if he was like the MVP of the NFL this year. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't see past it at all. Um, moving past Kyler Murray, though, we can go on to the golden boy, the guy that is being heralded, you know, going into his third year as that next superstar level quarterback. I'm going to talk about Justin Herbert, quarterback from the LA Chargers, currently going off the board, quarterback three, 41st overall via underdog fantasy. And for his first two years, I mean, you can't really ask for much more from a from a fantasy quarterback under the age of 24. Quarterback seven in points per game as a rookie, despite missing the first few games when they were starting Terod Taylor prior to the punctured lung. And then last year, we saw that sophomore step. He jumped all the way to the quarterback two in fantasy points per game with 22.96 points per game. And... I mean, the peripherals are all simple. This is a high-volume passing unit, seventh in neutral pass rate since 2020, and was top three last year. And he bodes the type of weapons that we look for from, although he's not, you know, a stiff, he's more of a pocket passer. He is going to produce fantasy points based off that rocket right arm he's got attached to him. Well, guess what? A situation of insulation that the LA Chargers represent with guys like Keenan Allen, Mike, uh, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, Gerald Everett's a fun piece at tight end. They have a lot of weapons, including the improved offensive line to the verticality part of this game. The Chargers have a very sneaky bet to be the number one overall offense, not even a top 10 offense, the number one overall offense in football period this upcoming year. And Justin Herbert can take a Mahomes level step where he goes from, you know, he was a 38 touchdown passer last year. I wouldn't be shocked if he's nearing that 45, 50 touchdown range as soon as he hits his ceiling, which for a 23, 24 year old player could start as soon as next year. If Justin Herbert hits his ceiling, he is a legitimate MVP in the NFL. 
Yeah, I mean, we're going to constantly keep saying, like, these guys are all MVP candidates this year. It's true. Like, pretty much everybody we're going to talk about has a legitimate case to be an MVP candidate this year. Justin Herbert is no different, so no disagreements there. I have him a little bit lower than you, but it's mainly because of the uh, Russian quarterback that I'm about to talk about, Jalen Hurts, quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, quarterback six off the board, 63rd overall. Again, another guy that's like your fifth or sixth pick in an underdog draft or in a redraft league. He's the, he was the second most productive rusher in the NFL last year outside of Lamar Jackson when he was on the field and outside of Josh Allen uh, for the most part. He was number one in the NFL in total carries, number two in carries per game. Red zone carries, he had 31 of them, number two in the NFL. Number one in red zone carries per game, number one in rushing yards at the quarterback position, rushing yards per game, number two, like I said, just behind Lamar Jackson, and 10 rushing touchdowns. That led him to a top six finish in points per game in only his first full season as a starting quarterback with a first-year head coach, a rookie wide receiver, and not much else to throw to outside of his tight ends. Now his weapons core is set up to allow him to take a jump in his second year in Nick Sirianni's offense, his third year in the NFL, second full year as a starter. They bring in a proven stud like A.J. Brown. Devontae Smith is no longer a rookie wide receiver, and Dallas Goddard is the full-time starter at tight end, locked up to a new contract. Is he a better real-life quarterback than Justin Herbert? Absolutely not. Is he a better real-life quarterback than Brady or Mahomes, the guys that I have below him? No. But he has the rushing prowess that is obviously more valuable in fantasy just from a mathematical perspective. And he has the chance of becoming an, a better passer this year with the weapons improvements that they've uh, made in Philadelphia. The biggest problem in fantasy football sometimes, especially at the quarterback position, is people looking at, you know, selecting a quarterback as if they're like a real life NFL GM. If they want to, you know, grab the best quarterback that'll lead them to pr the promised land, if you will, from a real life perspective in fantasy problem with fantasy is given scoring given advantages that rushing quarterbacks have i'm sorry there's no chance in hell i'm taking you know as much as i love tom brady as much as i love dak prescott as much as i love um joe burrow guys like that i can't take them over jalen hurts if you guys are going to give me an inefficiency in scoring which rushing quarterbacks like jalen hurts uh prove to show year over year i am going to take advantage of that if Jalen Hurts is healthy, he is a seven, 800-plus rushing yard quarterback with legitimate, as we saw last year, 10-plus rushing touchdown upside. Even if we get a glimmer, a glimpse, a, a slight improvement, which is an understatement given the fact that A.J. Brown is a legitimate top 10 overall wide receiver in football in terms of talent from a passing perspective, I mean, Jalen Hurts at 20 to 25 passing touchdowns, you know, 3,500 passing yards is still going to be a top five quarterback given the level of rushing we should see from him. Yeah, and we could see a Lamar Jackson in 2019 type of explosion out of Jalen Hurts. It's not out of the realm of uh, possibility that he has a 4,000 passing yard season with 32 touchdowns and 10 rushing touchdowns and 800 rushing yards, which will make him you know, 25 point per game type of score at the quarterback position. He was 23 points per game as a meh passer last year. Yeah, no, I agree. I have uh, no issues with Jalen Hurts. I still have him. Again, I have a bigger number one tier than you. Mine goes seven deep. Yours goes five deep. I think, you know, pick these guys out of the hat. Apart from Josh Allen, because I'd say he, you know, he's a slight micro tier above. Like, depending on what your team fit, depending on what value is, like, if one of them falls you to at the seventh round, just take the one that's going to get you the most value. And Jalen Hurts, I've seen falling to the mid-sixth, the early seventh, like, way later than a guy of his potential his ceiling output should be going in draft so i fully agree love jalen hurts weird to say with all the jerseys behind me hanging uh talking about a philadelphia eagles but i mean in fantasy football i prefer making money i don't want to hold bias against selecting the best possible player period
Yeah, exactly. And uh, the next guy that we have here is Patrick Mahomes, QB2, 41.9 overall. To me, this is a perfect example of him just like people think he's the best quarterback in the league, so he's QB2 in fantasy. But, I mean, 41.9 overall, to be honest, this is probably where all these quarterbacks should be going, but they're not all going there. Most of them are going in the 60s. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, I'll let you take it away with him. Yeah, I mean, this is, as you mentioned, just real-life bias taking its effect in fantasy football. I don't care if Patrick Mahomes is a better real-life quarterback than Jalen Hurts. To put it simply, they should be going in the exact same range. The fact that you're getting Jalen Hurts over 20 picks after Patrick Mahomes. Listen, I have Patrick Mahomes one spot higher. You guys would have seen in the rankings, but there is no chance I'm taking him two full rounds over Jalen Hurts. Like, guys, be realistic here. Yes, I understand. From a real-life perspective, he is the best quarterback in the NFL and a legitimate walking 35-plus passing touchdown type of player. But let's not overstate the fact that he loses a top five overall wide receiver in football, which is what Tyreek Hill represents. And the Chiefs, you know, they go out and support him, you know, MVS, Juju Smith-Schuster. And as much as I love Sky Moore, I think he's a phenomenal football player, top 40 overall talent in this class. But expecting a rookie wide receiver year one to try to supplement what Tyreek Kill has been from a value standpoint for this offense is way too much of a projection to make him the quarterback two off the board. The quarterback position is way too talented, is way too competitive to keep Patrick Mahomes at quarterback two. I mean, realistically, what does Patrick Mahomes have that Justin Herbert does not? I'll let you take it away with that. I, I think the variance of just having new weapons to throw to is the reason I have Patrick Mahomes quarterback seven. Cause he yeah. do, you're right. Like Tom Brady and Justin Herbert as like pure passing quarterbacks have more continuity with their offense and their weapons. So I'm just going to take those guys. Patrick Mahomes might be a, you know, as good or better of a real life quarterback than those guys, but he's throwing to sky more Juju Smith Schuster and MBS who are fine. Like it's like a top 15 weapons core. I would say top 20 weapons yeah. core in the league. But it's not as good as Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Nelson Eckler, or Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, Russell Gage, uh, Chris Godwin. Yeah, no, I agree. Again, uh, I, him and Brady is closer for me, given like I, I still think, you know, Mahomes will not give you crazy numbers, but, you know, 254 rushing touchdowns. We'll I mean, have, hey, he's uh, Tom Brady QB sneaks like three rushing touchdowns a season. And, and that's fair. I think realistically, I both ha I have both of them in that top tier. So you can argue it both ways back to back in my ranking. So um, to put it simply, though, quarterback two, 20 picks ahead of everyone. Don't do that. Let's get on to your guy, the guy uh, with the team hanging behind you. You got the Evans jersey, you got the Barber jersey. Uh, hang Actually, you do have the Brady jersey over on that door as well. I'll let you take it away with the Golden Boy, the best quarterback of all time, Tom Brady. Yeah, and I mean, dude, you're telling me I could get Brady like 40 picks after Patrick Mahomes? I have him straight up ranked over him. Like Tom Brady is the highest passing ceiling of any quarterback in football this year, in my opinion. 5,300 passing yards and 43 passing touchdowns in 2021 criminal that he didn't win the MVP. He still has great weapons. I know he doesn't have Antonio Brown anymore, but it's still uh, a very good weapons group. He still has Byron Leftwich, despite Bruce Arians retiring in the fold, running the same offense that they've been running the last two seasons. They're not going to change really anything philosophically about this offense. Brady threw 719 times last year. That is the dumbest number I've ever heard, despite having a top five defense in points per game allowed. So they're not throwing because they're playing from behind or because they you know, need to throw. They're throwing because that's who they are. That's their philosophy. And Brady will be, in my opinion, if you if he's not the odds-on favorite to lead the NFL in passing touchdowns, passing yards, pass attempts, whatever, he should, lead the, he should lead the NFL in all of those passing stats because that's how they run this offense. Even their running back, Leonard Fournette, is used heavily in the passing game. They're not going to change their offensive philosophy just because Bruce Arians is gone. Let's contextualize this. Obviously, you know, like we're we're talking more so from a frame of uh, fantasy frame of mind. You know, his passing volume is 
inequivocal comparatively to the rest of the quarterbacks, period. 719 passing attempts is just ridiculous. But from a real-life perspective, how was this guy not the fan or the MVP favorite? Like, the NFC is weaker. The Bucs are going to be a top seed. Patrick, or Tom Brady should have won it last year. Maybe in his final season in the NFL, like, this is going to be your 2022 MVP, whether you like it or not. And he's going to have 40, 45 passing touchdowns. 5,000 plus passing yards, leading a top three scoring offense, especially when Chris Godwin comes back, what, week four, week five is what we should expect? Like, it's simple. 40 picks after Patrick Mahomes should not be happening. They should be going, at worst, if you want to take Patrick Mahomes, they should be going back to back, at least in the same round. Yeah, this is a dude that would have won the MVP last year if he didn't stink it up in primetime against the Saints twice. I'm pretty sure that's the only reason he didn't win the MVP is because he had a couple stinkers, but every other game, I mean, he's throwing up 50 points on the Dolphins like it's nobody's business. Like, it's really easy for him to take advantage of bad teams. It's going to pad the crap out of his stats. And you're going to get, you know, five plus 30 point per game uh, performances anytime that the Bucs play a bad team. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I am more than fine with taking Tom Brady. I mean, his current ADP makes him such a, such a value in fantasy football. Seventh or eighth player that you're like, drafting. You're going to have like three absurd. wide receivers, two running backs, and an elite tight end before you even have to think about drafting Tom Brady. Yeah, especially when you get, you know, your your round two Evans, you're able to stack them up with a round seven Brady, like all freaking day. I'll take that and I will go win my championship with it. But either who's way, gonna, I, who's going to help your team more, Tom Brady or Darnell Mooney? Because they're going in the same range. Like, like get the or, fuck out of here. Anyway, let's go on to your quarterback here, Dak Prescott. Yeah, I was just going to say, or whatever dead zone running back we would argue uh, at round seven against Tom Brady. Like, come on, guys, let's, let's be realistic here. But Dak Prescott, tied for our eighth overall quarterback. Uh, you have him at nine. I have him at eight. And I kind of alluded to it when I talked about the C.D. Lamb argument. You guys would have saw the wide receiver rankings yesterday. But I kind of alluded to it. But the Cowboys offense last year was just, it was such a tale of two halves. I mean, in the first half of the year, we saw Dak Prescott be that elite fantasy football quarterback. 22.5 fantasy points per game, despite directly coming off a broken ankle from the season before. And it limited him to virtually no additional points on the ground, which has basically been Dak's bread and butter. Like, no, he's not like a Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts level rusher. But I mean, when he's been healthy, when he's been able to stay on the field, you could have at least expected three, 400 rushing yards, five, six rushing touchdowns. You got none of that last year as he was rehabbing from that ankle injury. By all reports that we've been hearing, that ankle is progressing well. That calf injury that also uh, hindered him uh, past that Patriots game has progressed well. And Dak Prescott is looking healthy. Dak Prescott is looking like normal Dak Prescott yet again. And to put it simply, I just expect this offense to really pick up some of the slack after that dirty end of the season that left uh, such a disgusting taste in fans' mouths and that team's mouths and that offense's mouths. They're hearing what everybody's saying. They're hearing the fact that despite being the highest uh, offense in terms of points per game last year, everybody knows and realizes that they were struggling down the stretch. I don't expect that to be the status quo going into 2022. I think we see more of a beginning of the season 2021 Cowboys offense, especially as you mentioned, with the potential regression from a turnover standpoint on the Cowboys defensive end. We could see that 35-40 passing attempt per game Cowboys offense come to fruition yet again. And to put it simply, with Dak Prescott, you're going to be expecting 35-plus passing touchdowns, 4,500-plus passing yards. If you're able to get a little bit of that rushing upside back. You know, I'm not expecting anything crazy, but 300 rushing yards, four rushing touchdowns. Like this could easily be a 23, 24 point per game type of score. And getting that at his current cost, 86th overall quarterback 10, like sign me up. 
if you guys have made it to this point in the video, just comment down below late round quarterback is dead because like every guy that we're going through, you can make an MVP caliber case for you can make a 25 plus PPR points per game. I guess points per reception don't matter for quarterbacks, but you know what I mean? All these guys have elite ceilings. There's no reason to like fade them for like Derek Carr or for anybody outside of the top quarterbacks. Like I'm going to end up with one of these top 10, top 12 guys on all of my teams because it just makes too much sense to me. They're all valued highly for a reason. These passing guys like Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Justin Herbert, these guys have high passing ceilings. The rushing guys, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray, uh, Lamar Jackson, they all have high rushing ceilings. It's pretty easy to understand in my opinion. So I'm going to stick with these top quarterbacks and I'm going to take them probably earlier than they're currently going. And the next guy that we're going to talk about, another guy that you can get with like your sixth or seventh pick is Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow, I have him slightly higher than Prescott. They're really, really close to me. They're like the second tier passing quarterbacks (laughs) for me. He was the highest ranked passer in the NFL, according to PFF last year, despite coming off of a serious injury himself, a torn ACL. Not going to provide much on the ground, but maybe he gives you a couple rushing touchdowns here and there. And as I said for the uh, for Jamar Chase and for T. Higgins in the other rankings videos, the Bengals offense ranked 30th in pace of play last year. And the league average in neutral pass rate, despite getting out to a, a high pass volume start to the season, when quarterbacks make the jump from good to great or great to elite, whatever jump that Joe Burrow made last year en route to the Super Bowl appearance that the Bengals had, Coaches tend to trust them more. They're going to give their best player the ball in his hands. Why would you hand the ball off to 3.9 yards per carry Joe Mixon when you can give the ball to Joe Burrow and let Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and all these guys cook on the outside? I'm expecting a top 10 passing volume team with the Cincinnati Bengals, which is not what they were last year. It seems like they were, but they weren't. And Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd are going to be the reason that Joe Burrow is as good of a fantasy quarterback as he can be. And that stretch that we saw before Joe Burrow's playoff run was league winning the type of performances he was putting up at the end of the season it's so funny when you mention that because the cowboys and the bengals offenses it feels like just like swap places like a parent swap type of situation like mid-season you know the cowboys were the best offense in the league and they were humming and hoeing they were getting you know 35 points per game and looking good and basically just dusting some of the best defense like we saw that opening game you know the cowboys bucks the cowboys offense was actually putting pressure on a very good defense the Bengals represented that in the second half of the season. They got off to a slow start, you know, Burrow coming off his ACL. They were feeding the ball to Mixon. They weren't really, you know, featuring, uh, despite, you know, Jamar Chase was great, but T. Higgins didn't really step onto the scene and be the T. Higgins we know now until about midway through the season. Once that Bengals offense unlocked those two star to superstar level, I mean, Jamar Chase superstar, T. Higgins is probably a fringe star, superstar type of talent as well. And once they unlock those two players on the outside, dominating on the boundary, like this offense took over. They were one of the scariest units to play. I mean, we still remember that Chiefs game where the Bengals came back, the Bengals won, and the Chiefs had no answer against those two alpha wide receivers on the outside. Yeah, and think about the teams that the Bengals actually looked good against too. Because yes. they were like it wasn't until the playoffs until they were playing teams like the Chiefs. Like what when they play bad teams this year, like they're gonna destroy them. That's what's gonna happen, at least on the offensive side of the ball. So yeah, Burrow, another guy that I'm very comfortable taking as like my seventh or eighth player off the board in underdog drafts or uh managed redraft leagues this year. We can get on uh, and close it out quickly with these last couple guys. Matthew Stafford, our quarterback 10, quarterback 12 off the board, 94th overall, another guy. 
has another easy case to make. A very high ceiling, top five last year in pretty much every major passing category. He has Cooper Cup, he has Allen Robinson, he has Van Jefferson to throw to, and some other guys here and there. Second year in the Sean McVay system. The only thing that you could really point to uh, in terms of Matthew Stafford, why he wasn't maybe necessarily as good as he could have been last year from a fantasy perspective is because he had some stinkers. He had some really bad games where he turned the ball over three, four times. And it really left a sour taste in people's mouths. But I think having another year with McVeigh will probably iron out some of those inconsistent games and some of those bad performances. Only concern I really have for Matthew Stafford is his red zone passing volume because I've kind of talked uh, talked about this before. But the team was top three in red zone pass attempts last year, and that has never happened in the Sean McVeigh passing uh, era. They've usually been a team that runs the ball in the red zone, due in part to the fact that they had Todd Gurley. But now Cam Akers is healthy, so does that balance out a little bit more? Does that do they? Is it a chicken or the egg thing? Are they going to only stick to Matthew Stafford throwing because they trust him? Or are they going to go now with Akers back to, to handing the ball off in the red zone? It's so funny. Use the exact analogy I was going to say. Is this a chicken or an egg situation? Did McVay throw the ball in the red zone because he had a star top 10 franchise level quarterback? Or did he throw the ball in the red zone because he lost his bell cow running back? That is going to be one of the bigger debates in fantasy football leading up to August. And quite simply... We don't have an answer. We don't know what the tendency is going to be because, to put it simply, any split that we pull up is going to have, uh, you know, extraneous variables affecting the data set regardless. So it's interesting. I, you know, I'm still fine with Stafford at value, 94th overall pick, quarterback 12 off the board. Yeah, exactly. Like, especially if you get, you know, a, a cup or a Robinson uh, going in the top five rounds, you know, cup is a top five pick. Robinson about a four or five turn type of pick. If you get one of them, you can get Stafford later on. You're getting access to 40 plus passing touchdowns, which is what the Rams offense will always represent with Sean McVay, uh, you know, calling the shots over there. Like, yeah, sign me up, Matthew Stafford. I'm more than fine with it. Obviously, you're going to have to live with some variance, live some vol- with some volatility. The Jameis Winston effect where, you know, Stafford's going to have some baller games. Stafford's going to have some plays where you're going to say, well, how does he have the arm talent to make that throw? You know, tight window throw against cover two deep down the field. Like he, he will make that throw. But then you'll have instances where he'll throw it behind a receiver on a 10-yard out and he'll be picked off and return to the house. Like, that's what you're going to have to live with. But in fantasy football, baby, I value those big plays. I value those touchdown passes, those game-changing, week-winning type of plays. And Stafford and this offense represent that. Yeah, and back to the red zone point, it's probably all going to depend on Akers' health. If Akers isn't really healthy or if he's not back up to speed fully, then they're probably going to lean on Matthew Stafford in the red zone again. But as we've seen, if McVay has a workhorse running back that he trusts, he'll probably hand him the ball in the red zone. So it it really is going to probably be completely out of Stafford's hands. It's probably all going to depend on Akers. So... Uh, the, la- uh, the next two guys that we can talk about, we can talk about uh, Trey Lance, uh, quarterback 11 consensus for us, quarterback 11 off the board, 90th overall pick on underdog fantasy. Um, you can take it away with him. Yeah, I mean, it, this one is simple to me. We mentioned being able to spot the next breakout quarterback on a year-to-year basis. You know, your Lamar Jacksons, your Jalen Hurts's, you know, Ga- Kyler Murray's, guys like that that, you know, present all the same formula. Maybe they have, you know, not Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott level passing ceilings, but guess what? They are going to contribute with the, with their legs. And Trey Lance in his limited action as a rookie, we saw the game plan. We saw what the 49ers want to implement when he's running their offense. In the three games he played, majority of the starting reps, he scored over 20 points per game in two of them. And he actually produced over 10 rushing attempts per game. 
And to put it simply, I mean, the Shanahan system has not had a quarterback with this elite level of physical tools. The only real comparable that we have is Robert Griffin, but that was solely from a ground basis. His legs were what carried him. Because as a passer, I mean, Trey Lance got a way better arm. Trey Lance is a more accurate quarterback. Trey Lance is a more advanced passer than what even RG3 was. And yet RG3 was a legitimate top five quarterback in his rookie year prior to knee injuries derailing his career. But Ian Hardis actually tweeted this out. So uh, Trey Lance had 31 carries in the three extended appearances he had as a rookie. And, you know, maybe you don't want to project him for 10 carries per game because that's like Lamar Jackson level. We'll say eight carries per game. So 136 across 17, 128 across 16. He kind of outlines here per game, the fantasy ranks of quarterbacks with 125 plus carries in a season. One, one, two, three. Four, four, five, six, seven, eight, twelve, and then seventeen was only twenty twenty Cam Newton. And if you guys don't remember twenty twenty Cam Newton, this guy had what like seven passing touchdowns. Like he was just he did nothing as a passer. Like if Trey Lance is starting, like we can at least slate him in for twenty twenty five passing touchdowns. And if he's giving you that type of output as a passer, we know the rushing is gonna be mess or maxing it, be matching it. And if anybody's gonna be this year's Jalen Hurts, it's gonna be Trey Lance. Only the thing is. Trey Lance arguably has, or not even arguably, easily has better weapons this year than what Jalen Hurts had last year on the Eagles. And to put it simply, I think he's a more talented quarterback. So if Trey Lance gets the starting role, like, yeah, I have him at quarterback 10 right now, but I wouldn't be shocked if we're talking about this guy as the quarterback three overall, the quarterback four overall in 2022 fantasy football, and ultimately being a league winning type of asset that we're currently getting at the 90th overall pick in underdog drafts, who's probably going to be going lower in your home leagues because we kind of mentioned that want to make a franchise, want to build a franchise type of bias that people have. People might sway away from the unproven uh, second-year quarterback like Trey Lance for a more proven Aaron Rodgers type. Not even just him, like Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, who yeah. are fine, but they're not. Like but People will probably fucking take Tua Tungvaluwa over him yeah. in some leagues. Like it, it's going to be crazy with, with Trey Lance right now. I think he's a great value on underdog because Jimmy G is not officially off the team yet. I think he will be. I don't think they're going to go into the season and be like, yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo is the starting quarterback again. I don't think they can do that feasibly. They're going to trade Jimmy Garoppolo to, you know, the Panthers or a team that loses their quarterback in training camp or something like that. I don't think we're going to get a season that starts with Jimmy Garoppolo quarterbacking the San Francisco 49ers. So as soon, and as soon, you know, as soon as that Trey Lance is named the starting quarterback, his dynasty value goes up, his redraft value goes up. He's probably a top eight quarterback in ADP, if not at least a top 75 overall pick in uh, in drafts right now. So he is a, a guy that you could definitely take advantage of, of the value on right now. Joe Burrow's currently going off the board, quarterback 769th overall. Trey Lance easily goes before him if he's named the starter tomorrow. Right, and I'm not necessarily going to go out of my way and say that I would take him over like Tom Brady or anything like that in fantasy, but he definitely has as much of a case to go in that range as, as a guy like Tom Brady because of the rushing ability. So uh, the final quarterback, quarterback 12 for us here, is Russell Wilson. He's actually going a little bit too high. I would say quarterback 8 off the board, 78 overall, because he does have some risk, right? Definitely a range of outcomes. I feel like I'm down on Russell Wilson every single year. But Same. There's definitely a range of outcomes where Russell Wilson can finally cook and take that huge step that everybody has waited for and seen glimpses of, but we haven't seen it over the course of a full season, but we're not really sure how much this offense is going to throw the ball because Nathaniel Hackett, he had the green Bay Packers offense running a low pass volume offense because he had AJ Dillon. He had Aaron Jones and we have a similar situation in Denver. He has Javante Williams. He has Melvin Gordon, despite having an elite quarterback like Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. So we really don't know what this pass volume is going to be. Maybe Russell Wilson is back to his 525 pass attempts a season. We don't necessarily know he's going to suddenly throw the ball 600 plus times 
And the weapons, while they're talented, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, some of these guys, they're also unproven. And they have one of the best backfields in the league, like I mentioned. So there's a good chance they still want to run this offense through Javante Williams and through Melvin Gordon and use Russell Wilson in his traditional Russell Wilson role, which is to operate efficiently, but not necessarily at a high volume clip, which probably limits his ceiling to like a back end quarterback one, which I'm probably not going to take when I have guys that have high, high, high ceilings like Trey Lance around him. It's a little nitpicky, but these elite guys, they all have very, very high bull cases. So you have to nitpick some of them. And I just want to mention like, is Russell Wilson a, a, a talented real life quarterback? Sure. No, he's a, he's a good quarterback, but like, is he, you know, more talent, like way more talented with than Brady Prescott, Burrow Stafford? Like, no, like why? I don't know why fantasy community kind of just pretends like, you know, he's Mahomes pretends like he's um, Justin Herbert. Cause I mean, realistically, Russell Wilson has not been that guy. Like, yes, the change of scenery is good, but how much more passing output do we expect, as you kind of said, with Nathaniel Hackett? I just feel like the Broncos may be the most oversteamed offense in fantasy football right now. With the where where Cortland Sutton's going, Jerry Judy's going, Russell Wilson's going. Like we like given their ADP, we are basically putting the bet right now that they're a top five overall offense, and Russell Wilson's a top three overall MVP candidate based off how the, the the steam is going, based off how the ADP is going. And to put it simply, I mean, you mentioned, you know, he's a little bit overvalued. Like, I don't know why. I don't know why he's quarterback eight. I don't know why he's 78th overall. Is he a fine, you know, tier two quarterback? Is he in this tier? Absolutely. But him going 16 picks before Matthew Stafford, who presents the same bet in a better offense with a better play caller, does not make any sense to me. Yeah, not to mention, I mean, the bull case for Russell Wilson is he does what Matthew Stafford did last year. Matthew Stafford was only quarterback 11 in points per game, right? And Matthew Stafford averaged, you know, over 20 points per game, which I would say is a big-time success for Russell Wilson if he does that. It's just, you need a lot to break right for Russell Wilson. Jerry Judy has to become a 1,300-plus wide receiver for this to break right. Cortland Sutton has to get back to his 1,200-type of wide receiver season that we saw from him a couple years ago. So there is definitely a more hinging on that. And I would say like Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon have the ability to take uh, the, the chef's knife out of Russell Wilson's hands again, because that backfield tandem is one of the best in the league. And I think the Broncos recognize that and they're going to stick to the run as much as they can. You don't think a guy like Nathaniel Hackett who came from green Bay, seeing the Dylan Aaron Jones pairing is going to look at Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon as potentially, the exact same situation quite literally being that same type of situation like if you are going into this expecting russell wilson to throw the ball over 650 times which is about the range he would need to be a top six potential type of quarterback this year i got news for you i think you're in for a rough year yeah because the passing quarterbacks herbert brady mahomes uh burrow prescott there's worlds where they throw 650 times and i think with brady and herbert it's probably guaranteed that they throw that many times yep no, absolutely. It is a guarantee. And with Russell Wilson, like we would be stoked if he threw it that many times. Realistically, he's probably throwing the ball. I mean, given what Aaron Rodgers has saw, saw these past few years, what Russell Wilson, 500 to 550 pass attempts is like the happy case we have here. Yeah. 550 is probably what I would project for him around that range. Yeah. So, I mean, realistically, he doesn't have Trey Lance level rushing. He doesn't have Prescott, Burrow, Stafford level passing volume, Brady especially, but he's like a tier above for us. So what does he represent? Like he's basically just 500 rushing he's yards. A good upside swing. That's why. That's what I think. He's a good upside swing. He's probably a guy that can finish as a top 12 quarterback, but not a top six quarterback unless there's a bunch of injuries. So that's probably where I'm at with Russell Wilson. Uh, I'll let you get your last point in, then we can head out of here. 
Last thing I'll say, I mean, comment section, if you made it this far, he is 500 rushing yards, six touchdown version of Kirk Cousins. End of story. Yeah, and if Deshaun Watson was not suspended, he would also be ahead of Easily. Russell Wilson for me. I'd probably have him ahead of Stafford as well. So um, that's the end of the video. Again, quarterback rankings, if you guys don't play in Superflex, might not be as important to you, but I do think this quarterback strategy portion of, of taking quarterbacks early nowadays is the way to go because we're getting too sharp. We're getting too smart. We know what quarterbacks are going to be great. I would be very highly shocked if we had more than like maybe one or two guys finish as top 12 quarterbacks that we did not talk about today. And, and a guy again, the guys that we would maybe finish as top 12 guys would be like Kirk Cousins, Justin Fields, Derek maybe Carr. Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers, some of those guys, but that's about it. Like there's not many other guys. Maybe Tua has some random breakout season. No. <laughs> two, two, like no I, I'm, I'm sorry but like maybe Tua and like is a Kirk Cousins type which is yeah yeah valid. for sure but well, anyways, yeah. anyways we can head out of here if you guys did enjoy this video hit the thumbs up button it looks like this really helps us out really helps us grow subscribe to the channel if you're new comment any of your thoughts down below again comment late round quarterback is dead if you made it to this point in the video and uh, we will talk to you guys next time so peace out talk to you soon